Well, the first one you could argue is on the way back, and I'm trying to find mitigating circumstances for it. But then the player has the ball in his hand. Or I think it's Mike Brown. I, I hope I'm not too. It is Mike Brown. Ball, the, was the ball on the ground? Was the ball on the ground, mate? It wasn't on the ground. Where was it? Had he been tackled? Then he can play the ball, mate. Are you allowed to play the ball? You tell me what the laws are. Are you allowed to, are you allowed to play the ball if it's on the ground? Well, the referee didn't think it's right. Look, all, all we want to do is beat Wales next week. Uh, probably not with next week. Well, if we play next week, we probably will be. <laughs> they won't be there. Now, that might help. So we'll wait for two weeks. All we want to do is beat Wales in two weeks. Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of Action Replay Extra Time's Rugby Podcast. I'm joined in the studio today by Billy Keenan. I'm Jack O'Toole and we'll be starting with Alan's game on the weekend against England at Twickenham. Alan went down 21-10 to England. Um, they were quite competitive for 60 minutes but eventually England kind of pulled away with a late Anthony Watson try. Thoughts on the game, Bill? Yeah, I think it was kind of frustrating. I think what was frustrating about it was that, again, that we had a number of try-scoring opportunities but failed to uh, capitalise on them. A number of people have said that the likes of the Wales game and even against uh, going back against Argentina, that when we put ourselves back in a position to, to build a score and, and to even maybe come back into the lead, the, the following 10, maybe even 15 minutes, were actually quite weak, were actually quite poor. So I thought, you know, after we scored that try, you know, courtesy of Conor Murray, we were quite poor against England and I think that was quite... Quite, quite frustrating. Mm. We went too far off though, where are we? Like if Robbie Henshaw had converted his try off the Johnny Sexton break and if Josh Van der Fleer was just to have grounded the ball instead of being held up, we would have won the game and I think we'd be looking at it in a different light as opposed to how we're looking at it now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We can you know, we can look at those two opportunities. You know, uh, I think it was it was fantastic uh, tackle on, on Jack Knoll take off the or on Robbie Henshaw take off the green goggles. It was a brilliant tackle. But I think in particular Josh van der Fleer's uh, try I, I judged it to be grounded. I don't know if that's just being biased, mm-hmm. you know, as an Irish fan. But I think uh, I think the ball was grounded. And you know, if we score that with five minutes to go, we, you know, we're a try away from winning the match. And uh, I, I think little things like that, uh, you know, show that we weren't too far off the pace against England. No, I don't think we were. And I think Van der Fleer was actually had a, a bit of a, a slow start, but he, I think he got into the game more as it went on. And I think the same with Stuart McCloskey. I think Stuart McCloskey definitely developed and uh, he kind of improved and, and kind of settled into the game. And he, I think he provides a real kind of attacking threat there with um, with Henshaw. I think they're two big physical centres. What did you make of all the debutants' performances? Yeah, I really like Josh van der Fleer. Uh, he's he's a new new face in the Irish setup. We don't have a, a lot of players like him in Ireland. You know, an out and out seven, uh, disrupting balls, tackling, uh, very very effectively. I, I like van der Fleer, and I, I'm very impressed that he got through 80 minutes of work. Skewmer Kluski, I think he had a, a difficult opening half. He was mm-hmm. he was throwing a couple of almost hospital passes by Sexton in his own 22. But then we we, we saw maybe down to a growth in confidence or a lack of uh, lack of pace in the legs of England early into the second half. He started. Make a number of breaks, going on the outside, bursting past George North, even offloading the ball. Maybe not particularly to the standard that Schmidt would have liked, but he, he still went for it. And I, I was pretty impressed with Stuart McCluskey, and I, I'd like to see him in the Ireland jersey again. Ulton Delan coming off the bench, 
he was an unknown quantity for me. I haven't seen a whole lot of him, but I was, I was very impressed uh, with his performance off the bench. I think he's almost in that role of Ian Henderson in the sense that he came off the bench and caused havoc for the last 15, 20 minutes. And uh, I'd like to see him sprung off the bench again and, and eased maybe into a starting jersey later on mm-hmm. later on in the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of conflicted on that myself because I I was I think he's been impressive for Connacht and he, he hasn't even been a kind of mainstay in the Connacht team for uh, I think he kind of only really broke into it after a couple of rounds but he has been very impressive for Connacht and I just think at this stage, I mean obviously Donald Ryan looked fairly fierce right before the game. You know he looked like I think Balls had a had a hundred years of oppression set up in one oh it's a cold stare yeah exactly but um he I don't know I I. I definitely think he wasn't one of our best performers on the weekend he just i mean i, I like jonica ryan i think he he puts in uh i think he puts in 100 percent um i think he tries his hardest but in terms of actually making an impact on the game i think alton did more in 20 minutes than donna did in about 60 minutes um so i definitely think that delan and henderson will be our kind of second row pairing of the future and, and something that would be quite you know um is something to get excited about as well but in terms of McCloskey and, and Van der Fleer, yeah, I think Van der Fleer played well, and I think he'll only get better the more kind of experience he gets in, in, in an Irish jersey. Um, but McCloskey in particular, yeah, you're right, he did get a couple of hospital passes, but he also was one of our only guys that seemed to kind of get over the game line a lot, and he's done that a lot for Ulster this season. Yeah. Um, but he, he, I think he just, uh, the more time him and Henshaw are given um, as a centre pairing, like I think probably Henshaw's so versatile, I think probably 12 and 15 are his best positions, but 13 seems to be where he fits in for Ireland or where mm. it would be best for fitting in for Ireland. But I, I still think it just defensively, um, it makes a big difference because on England's try there, especially early in the second half, it he was kind of caught. He was kind of caught in that no man's land. You know, like Ireland were constantly on the back foot for like the entire game, most mostly yeah. in that kind of defensive structure, and uh, because I think we, in my personal opinion, is that we defend so narrow. And it's because I think we have this over-dependency on going for the choke tackle, yeah. where we really want to go for this turnover. And to be fair, even in a, for the last couple of years, we've, we've, I think we do it better than any side in rugby. Um, and we even got a couple of turnovers there. But I think as a result of going for that choke tackle, we leave ourselves exposed on the wide channels so often, um, where we do defend quite narrow. Um, now, you may disagree or, or not disagree, but I think even you know Henshaw moving to 13 for the first time, you know, in an Allen jersey, he was kind of like in caught in that kind of fifty fifty. Do I jam in? Do I not jam in? And he kind of he kind of got caught in two two wide, you know, two minds, and then England went wide and scored. So I think I think we're still I think we are missing a defensive coach. I think it's kind of hurting us a bit. Um, yes, someone made the point that if we needed an English uh, a defensive coach for the World Cup and we need a defensive coach for after the Six Nations, then we need one for the Six Nations. Exactly. Um, it. It, the defence performed quite admirably against Wales and and even against uh, France we held them out you know only the one try but uh, I think that just that even having someone there is a confidence builder for the players you know keeps them happy mm. uh, someone whose you know sole position is in charge of defence and, and I get what you mean about Henshaw people were talking about when he moved out to 13 that it's probably one of the most difficult channels to, uh, read, defensively. to, to read defensively exactly but during the World Cup and in the last six nations I mean Henshaw has been 
you know, incredible in defence. He, he's been uh, he's been kind of setting the standard, and I think that uh, his performances at twelve, you know, warrant a chance in thirteen, considering mm. how strong he is defensively in the twelve channel already. Mm. Mm. Now, what, what would you think? Uh, because I mean, the only reason that we're really thinking of moving Henshaw out to thirteen is so we can accommodate Stuart McCluskey at twelve. Do you think that McCluskey and a Henshaw is our number one centre pairing going forward? And then if when Jared Payne returns. What happens to him? Does he go to full? There's been a lot of calls for him to go to fullback as well. Yeah, well, I think the calls to for Jared to go back to fullback is more of a, a reflection on Jared than the centres. I mean, people mm-hmm. want to see Jared in that team because he's a very exciting player at fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about Hankshaw and McCluskey, that's interesting considering that Hankshaw is coming to Leinster mm-hmm. and people are talking about uh, Hankshaw taking the 12 jersey at Leinster. Um, with Gary Ringrose performing quite well so far this year. He looks like one for the future. He's definitely really exciting. Uh, McCluskey and Henshaw, are they Ireland's centre partnership? I, I'm not sure. I think the fact that Joe Schmidt took McCluskey off mm. in that England match, it didn't look like uh, an injury replacement. I'm not sure if that was an indication of Schmidt saying, you know, I tried it. It didn't work. I'm going back to what I know, what I what I think can work. Bringing Earls into the centre, so I'm not I'm not really sure if that's our centre partnership. But I do like that we have a number of options mm-hmm. with Hank Job being able to play twelve or thirteen, and then even throwing the likes of Luke Marshall, who's performing performing very well yeah. for uh, for Ulster. So he could look at that that solidity that McCluskey and and Marshall have, and and maybe even look to move Hank Job to to fifteen. Yeah, but you mentioned uh, Henshaw coming into Leinster. Now, we presume that with Ringrose there at 13, now I know Ringrose has played in the wing, but I mean, his long-term goal at yeah. Leinster is going to be playing at 13. So we, produce, we just presume with Ben Teo going, um, and Ian Madigan obviously going, Johnny Sexton still going to be there. So Henshaw is going to be tw- playing at 12. And then we just have to presume as well that McCluskey's going to continue on playing at 12 for Ulster. So, I mean, are we going to really look at I mean, it, it really depends. I mean, I know we're looking forward to the future, but like, let's let's face it. I mean, our Six Nations tournament is over for this yeah, for this over. season. Yeah, you know, definitely. we got Scotland and Italy coming up. We should win both games, but it's not really going to advance us anywhere. So, I mean, I think it is fair to be start looking forward to the future. And given that we have, we do have guys like Van der Fleer, McCluskey, Delan coming into the team. I mean, we should be really looking forward to our next um, next few championships and the World Cup. Because to be honest, this. Golden generation and the second golden generation, which yeah. starts coming through the next few years, that's pretty much all really coming to an end now. Um, so it's going to be really hard to say because if we're really going to have our best two centers, let's just presume they're McCluskey and yeah. Henshaw. Who do we put in the thirteen then? Because it it is like you said before, it's a difficult position to play, and especially from a defensive point. If we have our best two centers playing at twelve week in week out, it does we do we sacrifice one of them and you know put them elsewhere or do we um you know we just chuck one of them in at thirteen? Yeah, that's a that's a predicament, and that's for the likes of David Nusafor to be kind of looking at. He he's in charge of moving players and and managing players. You know, we have the likes of Vander Fleer, O'Brien, he slip. Ruddock, Murphy wants international honours. They're all in that back row for Leinster and they can't all get on the team sheet. Mm. I think... Tommy uh, O'Donnell as well. Tommy O'Donnell as well. Um, so we have the likes of Hengshaw moving to Leinster. I don't think there's enough competition for full-back in Leinster with the likes of Zane Kirshner and Easton Asewa and you know, incumbent Arl- uh, Rob Kearney. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, you know... Playing wise, he should be playing at fullback uh, for Leinster, and he won't be for Ireland because I don't think he's going to be getting the game time. It's a case of, you know, uh, it depends how well I think uh, Gary Ringrose goes this season in terms of Hangshaw in his positioning for Leinster. 
and how if Henshaw decides to, or I mean, if Schmidt decides to keep playing Henshaw at 13, mm. if Henshaw continues to perform at 13 for Ireland, then does that, does Leo Cullen decide to play him at 13 for Lancer or does he move him back to 12? Yeah, I wonder if Schmidt's going to be giving a phone call to Ballsbridge and yeah. at, at the Belfield and UCD and exactly. the directions. Because it is, because I think that's what we're faced with. And I think there was a lot of calls for Ringrose to be included in this squad as well. But the fact was, I don't think Ringrose was really ready um, straight for an Allen nope. call. Yeah, and I think he played well. I Actually, I, I like his game. I like his support lines. I like his uh, his willingness to take the ball to the line. I think he's it's a lot of shades of young Brian O'Driscoll. Not prime Brian O'Driscoll. I'm not going to say no. he's the next Brian O'Driscoll. But it is shades of young Brian O'Driscoll there, especially in some of his movements and whatnot. But I, yeah, I don't think he's ready. I think he's only he's just after going 21. I think Henshaw, even though I think Henshaw's coming on 23 this year, I think McCluskey yeah. might be something similar. I think that two years does make a difference. And I think the longer that Ringrose can prove himself and solidify himself in that Leinster side, I think the better he's going to be. And I do think, I think at this stage, Earls is getting older. Fitzgerald is always injury prone. I think if we are going to displace either Henshaw or McCloskey from that centre pairing, it is going to be, I think, directly correlated to the form of Gary Ringrose. Because at, at this present time, he's the only long-term option that I can see really um, cementing himself as that 13, as a, as a viable alternative to either Henshaw or McCloskey. But, I mean, look, th- this will all probably sort itself out even on the summer tour and yeah, probably the next year of the autumn series. This is some of the questions and hopefully some of the solutions that we'll see being brought in over the coming months. But while we're dealing with current problems, um, another, apart from our defensive structures and I suppose us defending quite narrow over the last couple of weeks, another persistent problem for us has been our scrums. Um, now, Alan came up against a strong England, England scrum with Obviously, Joe Mal and Dan Colbing around for quite some time now. We didn't have total dominance in the scrum. Far from it, actually. Do you think Alan would have suffered a tougher day at the office if Mike Ross wasn't there? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think Mike Ross performed commendably. I, I'm a big fan of Mike Ross. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think he, he offers a lot more that people give him credit for, mm. particularly in the scrum. Uh, and I don't think people respect what he brings until he's gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have been talking about... Um, Ireland's scrum performances against the likes of France and, and Wales uh, without a lot of positivity and, and when Mike Ross comes back in he just brings solidity he just brings uh, he just brings comfort to, to the players around him and even his performances in the mall and in the line out I know they, they didn't go particularly well at the weekend but I think they will improve once he comes back one thing that you know I look at is, is that is it more of a reflection on Ireland or Mike Ross that that a 36-year-old is still our, still our best tight head. I think it's both. I think it's an absolute testament to Mike Ross that he's Definitely. 36, coming off a hamstring injury and still being the number one tight head prop. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's probably a reflection to Ireland as well because obviously we've seen Nathan White. Nathan White's 35 as well. Yeah. So that's that's that. You know what I mean? He's no spring chicken either. No. He's, he's in the exact same position as Ross. And it's, we're really... I mean, we've got Marty Moore. He's injured. Um, and yeah, I like Marty more from a scrummaging pers- perspective. I'm still not completely sold on his all-round play. Um, yeah, he's he's picking up a few turnovers, jackling over the ball there in yeah. the Champions Cup. But I think uh, I I don't think the scrum would be that big of an issue if if Marty Moore had had been fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've looked at our last two Six Nations and uh, Marty Moore being sprung off the bench, you know, after after Ross tires, you know, 50 or 60 minutes in, the scrum yeah. has always held up quite well. Yeah. So I think we are missing him, especially in the drop in quality between him and Tyg Furlong. I mean, Tyg Furlong, he's very young, he's 22, 23 years of age, mm. and I'm not sure if he has the miles on the clock yet to 
I don't know if he's scrummaged against the best consistently to, yeah. be, to be brought in. Having said that, England's tight head is 21 years of age. He only turned 21 in the last couple of weeks and, mm. you know, he the scrum is, is just as strong when he's on the field. Yeah, exactly. I just think it's a problem that so much of our best props are all actually placed at Leicester. Um, now, I think Jack McGrath's finally displaced Kane Healy. I think we'll get to Kane Healy in a minute. Um, but while we stick on the tight head side of things, we've got Ty Furling on the bench and... It's, it's hard because as long as Mike Ross is still at Leinster, he's still going to be starting at Leinster. Yeah. So Ty Furlong and Matty Moore have both been fighting it out in the bench. So I think it's right for Matty Moore to you know to pack up oh, his stems and leaves. I think yeah. it's, it's the only way he's ever going to challenge for that spot because he can see that Ty Furlong's coming through as well. So, you know, I think the only way... It's the same with Ian Madigan. If you, if you get a long-term chance in an Irish jersey, you need to be starting week in, week out. Yeah. You can't be battling out someone for the bench to have a bench spot because the same battles for the last couple of years. We've seen it with McGrath. You know, you're battling the good guy at Leinster and at Ireland level. And I think it's going to be the same between Moore and Furlong coming on. So I like, I, I do think it's actually a good move for Mary Moore to go on because I do think Ty Furlong is going to be, he's going to be the one to replace um, Mike, Mike Ross at Leinster. Yeah. And he's probably going to be the one to replace Mike Ross at Ireland. But unfortunately, because of their situation at Leinster where they're both on the bench, they're not getting enough, I don't think they're getting enough reps in. Yeah, they don't have to, enough minutes on the clock no, to be able to challenge properly. you can see it when they come on against France and stuff like that, at the, at the start of the France last 20 minutes, you know, yeah. it's, it's pretty much deer in the headlights kind of stuff. So it is interesting. Then one of the other, if we go to the loose head side of things, um, we do have, a, I think, a bit more strength and depth there at the moment with Jack McGrath, Keane Healy and James Cronin. Um, now Cronin was ruled out of Munster's game against Treviso with a hamstring injury, but I think he was going to be dropped anyway. Yeah. Do we think that Healy's right to come in and, and replace Cronin? Well, I think we're a performance or two away from Healy no longer being included in that list of, of, of loose heads. Okay. I'm glad I'm glad someone else yeah. is making along this um, this this, uh, this the, you know, this line because it, it's this is I think one of the I mean I know the Carney one is starting to get a bit of light, but I don't think this Keen Healy thing is getting a lot of traction because he's just after getting a top up deal by the IRFU. When Jack I don't McGrath, know why. Jack McGrath is clearly the better player. I don't know why Keen Healy has been given that deal, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how a, a player who has I'd like I've I've looked back at Sean O'Brien's injury list. Yeah, uh, he's been ravaged by it, but he comes back and he always p- performs quite commendably, mm-hmm. and then he gets injured. Keen Healy hasn't thrown together enough consistently excellent performances since the Lions tour. Yeah. You look at his standout performances. Yeah. He played very well against New Zealand in that that famous match that we we ran them close. After that. I can't it's think three of three years ago now, almost three years ago. Exactly, know? I can't think of a whole many more. I mean, he came, he came back from injury in our last Six Nations, and he was just given the number one jersey. Yeah, ahead of Jack McGrath, yeah. who I've been calling for an inclusion uh, since uh, his debut against Samoa. I think in that same year against the All Blacks, he's been performing fantastically for Ireland. I'm a big fan of Jack McGrath as well, and I don't think. I don't think Keane Healy has credit in the bank to be able to just walk straight back into that Ireland team. Yeah. He, came, he came on the weekend and I don't know how many penalties he gave away. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's becoming a trend. But he's been doing that. He did, he's been doing that all throughout his career. But the problem, I mean, we, were, we accepted it because he's the most dominant loose head prop in the world. Like, like you watch Keane Healy, he was always one of the first to rocks. He's one of the most powerful ball carriers. I think he was he, one of our biggest hitters in defence. definitely... Uh, probably in you know a world fifteen. Yeah, yeah, at his best, just the explosiveness that he brought and and his work at Seppi's. Yeah, I mean he was unquestionably the Lions number one loose oh, head definitely. prop that tour. I don't think we could have even displaced. He was the, he was our loose head prop for that tour, and yeah. I don't think anyone else was even coming close. But since then, 
he still looks like Tarzan, you know what I mean? And I don't want to say he's playing like Jane because I don't think he's there yet. And I'm not going to discredit the guy because he's coming back off an injury. But, I mean, I was out there at the ODS a couple of weeks ago and watched the Zebra game. But, obviously, you know, Zebra is... They, they were blown out 52-0. Lens destroyed them. Um, but I think what you see is sometimes when you're not watching on TV and you do go to the games live, you get a better appreciation for how the... You see a lot of things off the ball. And one of the things that I was looking at was just how he's running. And he doesn't seem to be running the same. Like, this is no, not even with the ball I, in hand. This that, is just the rucks, you know what I mean? Like, we see him move around the field. He's not moving with the same amount of speed that he used to. Now, he still looks intimidating and a force, but when you look at him moving from rock to rock, he's not he's not getting there as quick. He doesn't have the same spring in his step. And it's transferred over to his ball carrying, you know what I mean? He's not. I haven't seen Keen Healy run over the top of someone in a while now, you know? Yep. He's, he's just, he takes the tackles. He's not getting over the gain line, which is really what we're relying on him. So I'd really like to see James Cronin get in until Keen Healy can prove. Even if he had won, I think the IRFU, they're backing him to get back to that level that he was in 2013, 2012. I think yeah. that's why they've, they've given him. He's only 28, so they're hoping, looking at Mike Ross, they're thinking, you know, Mike Ross is 36. If we can get the same out of Keen Healy yeah, for definitely. eight years, you know, I, I think that's that's worth the investment. But from what I've seen now since he's come back from his injuries, he's not back to that level. If he did get back to that level, I'd be happy to put him straight in on the bench behind Jack McGrath and then even make that a contest again. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, Jack McGrath is the lead loose head prop in this country. And I think, to be honest, I would actually like to have James Cronin on the bench. Um, yeah, I think James Cronin has been particularly explosive and, and quite impressive for a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, he hasn't had a whole lot of international experience and with the likes of Jack McGrath performing so well, maybe... You know, Jack McGrath can afford to play those 80 minutes. Um, and then even the likes of Dennis Buckley in Connacht. Mm-hmm. He's been performing very well and he suffered, a, I think, a thumb injury that, that ruled him out of the first Six Nations uh, squad call-up. And then we have the likes of Kyle McCall in, in Ulster. So I think I think Keane Healy's, I say, running out of time. He's just been given a, a three-year contract <laughs> by the IRFU. He must be laughing. He must be laughing. <laughs> but I... I, I I, it's too it's too early, but I think he's uh, a performance maybe two or three away from from losing a lot of credibility in terms of the the, yeah, the renown that he has. Because I think in rugby circles, like in, in in conversations that I've had with, I suppose other rugby journalists come to the game, this is kind of a thing that's been kind of building. But I mean, it's I think the national. Do you feel the national perception is still that he's still one of the best props? You know, why is he in the starting side? Yeah. Like, well, a I bit mean, same with Rob Carney as well. You know, it's, yeah, it's definitely. Like he's he's been so good for so long that we're a bit slow to kind of point out. Hang on, should we haven't been questioned should Simon Zebos in the team? And I think you know, I think a lot of people are still like, oh, Keane's only coming back off an injury, give it a couple of games to be back. But I mean, I think there is a feeling that this is not going to be how we all think it's going to go. I think you're right about do people still have this perception that Keane Healy's the number one? Lou said there was an article in the Forty Two there about Jack McGrath have being mistaken for Keane Healy. Yeah, and he said, "If you know, if I punched everybody who called me Keen Healy, I'd be in a lot of trouble." And he uh, said, "He said it does annoy you." And yeah, I, I really like that because you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know political correctness in rugby where you don't say anything. And Jack McGrath has been performing 
brilliantly for Ireland. Consistently. Consistently very well. And for people to come up to him and say, well done, Keane, at the weekend, he must be tearing his hair out. I know, because he's had this for three years now, you know? Exactly. Yeah, he's been on the scene for a while now and he's, he's continually... He's constantly getting this kind of comparisons and mistaking his name for the guy who he's been competing with, you know. And especially, I, I definitely think it's a bit of both. And it's not, it, I don't think there's all focus on, on a Keane Healy decline. We do have to take account that McGrath's consistently been playing well and he's actually earned a spot, you know. Regardless, yeah, even completely. even I think, I even think if Keane was out as pick as pass, I still think that, I don't think, I don't think McGrath's quite at that peak no. Healy apex yet. But, but I mean, it would be a, it would be a competition, yeah. yeah. You know, and I just think that McGrath has consistently stayed, and he's probably he's consistent. I think the more time he's given as a starter, he will continue to improve. Um, and I would like to see that happen. We'll go to the Mike Brown incident that happened on the weekend. Um, now we'll get our thoughts on, the, on on it in a minute. But we just want to first hear, firstly, the Mike Brown, um, the actual incident itself, and then we want to hear Eddie Jones' reaction to it. Oh, oh, oh. that's horrible. And he's still player. kicking at a ball. Three times. Yeah. Yellow boots. Is it Mike? Well, the first one you could argue is on the way back. And I'm trying to find mitigating yeah. circumstances for it. But then the player has the ball in his hand. Four. Yeah, I think it's Mike Brown. I, I hope I'm not too. It is Mike Brown. The ball, the, was the ball on the ground? The ball was. Was the ball on the ground, mate? No. It wasn't on the ground. Where was it? it had he been tackled? Yeah, then you can play the ball, mate. You don't think it was any, any way are you allowed to play the ball? You tell me what the laws are. Are you allowed to, are you allowed to play the ball if it's on the ground? I believe it's reckless. I'm just wondering if you thought it was reckless. Anyway. Well, the referee didn't think it was reckless. Look, all, all we want to do is beat Wales next week. Uh, Probably not with next week. Well, if we play next week, we'll probably will be. Because they won't be there. Now, that might help. So we'll wait for two weeks. All we want to do is beat Wales in two weeks. All right. Well, firstly, when we jump to the incident, what was your initial take on the the stamping, let's say? Uh, there, are, there are plenty of, of incidents where people kick at the ball earlier mm-hmm. in the match. Van der Fleer managed to tackle Vunapola and get back on his feet and disrupt it by kicking the ball out. You've seen plenty of it, and I think the difference between it was was that it it was reckless. Mm-hmm. It's hard to to look at it in the without the general context. You know, we were on their line, we were looking to score to get back into the game. Green goggles on, uh, it, an Irish player was injured, but it was reckless in the sense that there was a swinging arc to his style. He, his foot wasn't on the ball, literally just moving around, kicking it. He, he, he was swinging around. and I, There was a lot of talk about, you know, uh, sightings during the World Cup and protection of players. And uh, I, I think it's it's might have gone, it's been going downhill a little bit in mm. the likes of Maestri uh, incidents on Johnny Sexton, the Six Nations. Yeah, I think it's we, there's a couple of points there. One, the care for Irish players in particular at this tournament hasn't been great. I think every single week we've seen some kind of incident or late hit where it hasn't gone picked up. And I think even more damaging is that this wasn't fair enough referee. He at the moment have to make a quick decision. I thought he set off the wrong player. Um, Sim being the wrong player, Danny Kerr. Um, even though he might have been offside, I think Brown was the culprit here. Yeah. And Brown was the one that should have been disciplined. Um, secondly, 
my interpretation of it is you can't play the ball on the ground when the ball emphasis when the ball is on the ground you know i've seen plenty of people come over kick the ball out when the ball is actually being played on the ground and um you know is there on in play that's my kind of interpretation when a guy has it in his chest and there's still people being cleaned out and it's a meter away from his face you tend not to kick someone on the ground, especially back heel them in the face and then further stab, like kick them at the ball. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the amount of rocks we see, when someone's getting cleaned out, you, you either you can test. Your idea is to get over the ball and contest. You know what I mean? If the ball's there, then you pick up the ball and you run. That's a counter rock. You know what I mean? But if you're getting cleaned out, you don't just keep on kicking towards I, I, the ball. I, I, I you know. know? I, what you're saying is a lot of people said well you kind of have to give Mike Brown the benefit of the doubt well you might have to give Conor Murray the benefit of the doubt in terms of that there's still you know there's still action going on in yeah. that rook so yeah. I think you're, you're you're definitely right in the sense that he's been cleaned out and then it, it, it was a continuation yeah he he did go for the ball and while coming back he hit him but then then he kept going he went yeah. two or three more times, times. Yeah. almost even more viciously and I think in you know, other players, maybe, you know, Mike Brown's quite a competitive player. He's he's, he's very in your but face. That's one word for it. Yeah, I'm trying not to uh, <laughs> to say what I think here on, on Mike Brown <laughs> per se, but yeah, <laughs> I'll be the moderator. But no, yeah. I, I think uh, it was it was the repeated recklessness of it, I think, is what people are getting at in this situation. Yeah, I think it is. It's the repetitive. It's You've gone, okay, fair enough, you've gone for one kick at it, kicked him in the face now. I'm not going to pontificate that Brown intentionally um, kicked Conor Murray in the face, although maybe previous actions might suggest he did. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, you got cleaned out and you kept on kicking it at the ball. You kept on kicking it when it was that. Let the referee handle the game. I think it was was, a, it was Roman Poir. He didn't have a great game, so maybe I can can side up my side, make Brown on not um, waiting for the referee to make a decision. But in fairness, Conor Murray's not releasing the ball. He should be penalised against them. You know what I yeah. mean? It shouldn't get to that level where Mike no. Brown has to kick him two no. times. But at the same as fairness with Mike Brown, you, you shouldn't be kicking him either. You know what I mean? If the ball, if you're getting cleaned out and you're going backwards, you can't use it as an excuse that you're trying to kick the ball away. You know? There's a code of conduct that play, players should have. Yeah, and there's there's a duty of care to the players as well. So I think it was one. It was handled badly by Poit. If it, if it's getting to that level, you can see that happen. Blow it up for not releasing, or blow it up for. You know, Danny Care not moving yeah, away. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think the only really time you should be rocking um, is a situation is if a player is lying all over the top of the ball um, and is, is preventing the ball from quick ball. Down, I think it's fair game to start stamping on their back and all that. We've seen it happen in rugby for years. Um, so I still think that's fair game. If the referee, look at the referee. If the referee's not going to do anything about it, then you, it's on you to get the guy yeah. out of the way. That doesn't mean you stand on the guy's head. You know, no. what I mean? you, you know, you aim for other areas of the body. That's that, that's just how rugby goes. Or then the other fact is, if you counter rook, you're going forward and you see the ball lying there. You've a right to kind of kick at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you've come through the gate, but I don't think Brown did either of those things, and I definitely think he should have got cited for it, and he didn't, which is unfortunate. And I think it's it's been a testament to how the deciding commissioners have handled this whole Six Nations. So it's it's a bit of a... Um, I think that's somewhere that, that World Rugby and indeed the Six Nations commissioners should have a look at. Um, but, yeah, that's our, that's our rugby podcast for this week. Um, I'd really like to thank Billy for joining us. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. And if you have any feedback, you can always tweet us at Action Replay um, or at DCUFM Sport. Um, so thanks very much for joining us, and we'll be back next week. We're going to move on to our GEA section now. Um, joined the studio by Dara Culhane. Dara, the Congress uh, met this week and they decided to bring in a mark. Uh, they also decided to change under-21s to under-20s and minors to under-17s. What do you think about these changes? Um, 
by and large, I was pretty in favour of them. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of pros and cons to these. You'll know yourself. Kind of, there's been a lot of mixed reactions to them. Uh, starting off with the mark, I suppose, just for anyone that isn't too familiar, it was brought in to bring in high fielding. You know, like in days where it's not really football anymore; it's more so hand passing of a game. Uh, they want to bring in the downfield kickouts and have midfielders battling for the ball. Of course, uh, it's not going to eradicate short kickouts, and that's not what the GA want. But at least it's a step in the right direction that you're going to be encouraging uh, your team to bring to kick the ball in the field and hopefully get it like a free kick in the middle of the park. What did you think about it? Yeah, well, I, I agree with the the whole mark system for a kicker anyway. It's good, it's good to reward a player for actually catching the ball from a long kicker. It's a, it's a good skill to watch. But as I was chatting to Niall McNamee from Offaly last week and he basically said that uh, essentially players get a, get a free throw away when they catch the ball from a kicker anyway, which yeah. is by and large true. So... It's not going to be. It's not, not. It's not a radical change. I'm glad it didn't come in for the likes of 35 yard yeah, passes. Yeah, I think that would have just slowed the game, the game yeah. down completely and changed it to AFL rather than GAA. Um, but I'm definitely in favour of the changing under 21s to under 20s because under 21s is a joke of a of yeah. an age an age group. Uh, it never works. It's never run properly. But I honestly think that the GAA need to change the the basics of the game change the the structure of the league the structure of the championship instead of concentrating minor little details I know that uh, Kieran Wheel was saying it was actually you might have seen on RT he wasn't his I think he coaches Rahini if I'd be correct but his team were the, one of the trial teams for the for the mark and he said he wasn't too impressed with it that it wasn't really being like uh, like the simplistic approach wasn't really that practical in terms of a match game but again so the same thing as the kind of the hand pass rule when that came in that didn't exactly pick off straight away it takes a while for people to kind of get familiar with this kind of kind of a thing you know yeah it takes it takes at least a half a season for even the referees to really implement them on yeah. the game i mean there's, you'll see some referees playing it you'll see the other referees not it's just really depends but uh yeah going back to the under 20 and under 17s if i'm correct it's just county isn't it yeah it's just county and it's uh a lot. Of, I know the under seventeens is more so not to to clash with people's studies, etc. But uh, they're citing player burnout, which I suppose is fair enough because you can't be really doing minor, second year minors, uh, then doing your county minor, then doing your leaving cert, then you're probably playing senior with your club as well. So at least it gives you one less team to play for coming into your final academic year. Yeah, that's true. So um, we'll move on to the the league at the weekend. Just looking back at it. Uh, the Rossies had some win again against Cork this time. Uh, do you see them staying up? Yeah, they they came up last year. They they to, they top division two as as far as I believe. They they've two wins now. They they currently stand third in the table. Um, you're looking at who they have left. Obviously, there's there's a couple of write offs. Uh, but the way they're playing, there's there's not a whole lot of teams there that they couldn't give a match. To, as well as you're looking at teams like uh, like Mayo and Kerry, they don't exactly kick off in the league. So, if you know, I've, I'd say I'd say they could stay up. Especially, it's a it's going to be a hard mountain to climb for Mayo and Down about to stay up in Division One this year. Uh, what what do you think yourself? Uh, well, they I think they deserve to stay up. One more win will probably yeah, secure, secure them. Uh, but 
they they've invested a lot of money into it the past couple of years. They've their their younger teams under twenty ones were in a, in the final last year. Their their minors before that were in a, in the Ulster or in the All Ireland final two thousand and eight, I think it was. Uh, but really, their win their win at the weekend for me kind of showed the demise of Cork. I mean, mm, Cork used yeah. to be uh, they used to be strong in both uh, both uh, sports, but. Uh, they seem to be going downhill, and I think they'll go down this year. To be honest, uh, yeah, and I wouldn't even. You can look in all all aspects of Cork, kind of GAA, their uh, their county, their uh, like their club football. You see, Nemo Rangers are only a shadow of a team what they used to be last year in the championship. They didn't fare up too well. Now you could say the same about Mont uh, Ross Common, should I say? But Ross Common are a team on the rise rather than a team on the dip. Uh, yeah, no, I'd agree with you on that aspect. Court, court, they don't seem up to much. Again, I think if if Mayo and Down can grab a couple of wins, I think Cork could be in, in major trouble. But uh, I don't know. It's only the league. What do you think about Ross Common come championship though? Because last year they were pretty abysmal. Yeah, I don't think there'll be much of a much of a challenge for uh, for the Lexa Championship just yet. In a few years' time, I think they will be a force. But uh, for for this year, I think the league will be their main aim. Yeah, and obviously Connacht is normally a bit of a ride off because I don't I don't expect Mayo's form to continue like that come championship. Yeah, Mayo will definitely kick off the championship. Donegal got a good win against them in Balbafay this weekend. Uh, Donegal have had a very very good start to the league this year. Top do you of think, the table. Do you yeah. think they can go on to win it? Uh, I don't know. Dublin have won it two years in a row now. So uh, you have to look at Dublin's. It wasn't a comprehensive win against Monaghan. It was a hard-fought win. Uh, I think it was very close to call. You'd obviously fancy Dublin in the league final. Um, but as you said, if Donegal can keep the form going, uh, I don't know, it's too tough to call now. I'd still fancy Dublin. Did you watch the Dublin match at the weekend? I didn't see the Dublin one. I saw the Donegal one, though. Yeah, they were. I think they were, they were five, six points down at one point and they came back to win at the last minute. Uh, battle of the, probably the two best corner forwards in the country between McManus and Brogan. Uh, McManus probably had the better game, but of course Dublin came out on top in the end. I think it would be nice to see a Donegal Dublin final, though. Like it would be a good, it would be a good, uh, good match to see for the likes of the championship looking ahead to it. Yeah, sure. this is the strongest I've seen Donegal come out in the league in a long time. Yeah, and of course last year they they got a bit disappointed tail end the championship when they got knocked out abruptly but they seem to be progressing again this year uh, do you think that they could go on and, and win Sam this year if they go and win the league um, I don't know if they're strong enough just yet they have a few young players coming through they obviously still have the old veterans in the team as well uh, Roy Kavanagh came back for us this year uh, to, to do a bit of do a bit of work so hopefully hopefully we can kick on we might make a semi or Possibly even the final. I think they seem to be concentrating a lot on the league this year, yeah. which is, seems to be a new trend. With the the teams are taking the the league a lot seriously. It's always serious good for building young players. The league, yeah, exactly. That you can see with the the all every county's starting to bring in the younger players for the league. Especially Mayo have good a good few young players in their team. Uh, who do you think's going down this year? I think I'm going to go with Down and Cork. Yeah, yeah I think you can say Down are probably. Looking certain to to go down. They've only they've only scored twenty four points, and they've conceded three fifty. 
So you know that 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 doesn't sound sound very good for them. You know, three losses now. Uh, I know Mayo haven't won a game, but you'd be you'd expect them to kind of to stride on come the end of the end of the league campaign. As you said Cork are looking looking very weak. That loss to Ross coming. Uh, yeah, I, I'd probably put them two going down. Um, and probably making implications for the championship as well. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with you. Fifty points, that's mad. That is mad. terrible amount of points to be conceded. Cork in the have league. Cork have conceded six goals, fifty one points though. That's ridiculous. But they've scored five thirty five. Yeah, sort out your defence. Yeah. Um if we just look into division two, uh just quickly, uh just some of the results. Mead lost to Cavan, Tyrone beat Leach by a goal. Uh, Galway did the better of uh, Derry and Armagh beat Fermanagh by one point so if we're looking at the table there uh, just at the top half it's the going down is a bit of a you can't really call it at the moment you have one, two, three, five teams on two points then you have two teams on four points and then Tyrone have won all three of their games obviously you'd have to fancy Tyrone to be uh, yeah, up. I would say Tyrone. Tyrone were kind of destined to come straight back up anyway. They yeah. were they were unlucky to get relegated last year, and uh, they did fantastically in the championship. Yeah, and you saw how good I said they were. As much as I hate to say Tyrone being a good side, but uh, they really they kind of went through a teething period for a few years there. But they might come back strong this year. I, I would say they'll do well in the championship. They have a nice mix of experience and youth. Like they've, I, I went up to uh, Oma for the Mead Tyrone game, and they had a nineteen-year-old called Mark Bradley, and I, I think, I think he was up, he was one of the three lads up for Young Player of the Year, and he was by far the best player on the pitch. Yeah. And then of course they have the old suspects like Sean Kavanagh, etc. Sean Kavanagh and Peter Hart, yeah. and they, they have a good, they have a good side this year, uh, very defensive side, but sure. We'll see how they get on. I would say they'll go. They're going to get promoted anyway. Yeah. Who who would who would you fancy to be the other team to be looking for a promotion? I would. I would like to see Meath maybe. Yeah. I don't. I don't up. think they have enough in them yet. I'd be leaning towards Derry. Derry are a very good league side. Yeah, they are. Um, they were. They didn't didn't really do it in the league last year. No. Didn't really do it in the championship last year either. They were in the Division 1 league final a couple of years ago. Yeah, a few I years ago they correctly. were. Um, so. But we'll see how it goes. There's still a few games left. 